We're going to jump right into today's scripture reading from the book, uh, letter to the church in Colossae, starting here in chapter 3, verse 12 here. Going to get it going right away. Hear the word of the Lord for us this morning. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. This is the word of our Lord. Amen. All right. <laughs> Who here grew up in a church where you had to put on your Sunday best? Anybody grow up in one of those churches? I knew there'd be a lot of you here. Any of you still put on your Sunday best? I'm looking around. I'm looking around. Ah, oh, you look good over there. Uh-huh. You're looking, you're looking pretty sharp. Go ahead and tell your neighbor, you look marvelous. You look marvelous. Anybody remember that skit Saturday Night Live? <laughs> it's better to look good than to feel good. And you look marvelous. That was a great skit from back in the day. I remember, I mean, getting ready for church on Sunday was a big production. I mean, you had to press your pants and get the pleats just right and that crease down there. And I, I see no, I, heads nodding already, shine those shoes. I mean, starch that collar. I, I tell you what, I love that we live in a world and a time where I can roll out of bed and go to work and I just look like everybody. I mean, <laughs> praise God for comfort. But, you know, there is certainly something about getting dressed up, about getting ready for going to church getting ready for whatever it is God's calling us to do. There's that old expression, of course, um, the clothes makes the man, right? The clothes makes the person. Uh, and, and it's true. The clothes that we wear, how we dress, it definitely signals and it signifies things. Whenever you came in this morning and everybody saw me in a, in a suit and in a tie, I mean, literally it was, okay, who died or what happened or what's going on? What's the announcement? I mean, it... it it's, it's, and I knew that would happen. I mean, I knew that was going to happen. It immediately signaled to you something is different. Something is maybe unique. Maybe something is particularly awful or something might be particularly wonderful. You didn't know. Well, it's going to be making more and more sense as we go throughout the message today. But clothes signal something. If all of a sudden somebody walked in wearing a police uniform, we would be alarmed, rightfully so. For what reason would somebody representing our safety, our security, the police force, what, what would that mean if that person came in here? If a nurse came in here, we'd wonder, you know, was somebody hurt? Was somebody, was there an emergency? Is somebody's, uh, you know, life in distress? Uh, why is there somebody with a, a, a EMS uniform, a nurse's uniform uh, here? If somebody walked down this aisle right now, as has happened, and the last time I wore this suit, somebody was walking down this aisle, and it was my daughter in a wedding gown, and, and it signified something significant is about to happen. Something is unique about the situation. I mean, fa I mean fashion really, it, it really, I, I, I fancy myself, maybe that's not the right words there, but I fancy myself not really impacted by fashion. I remember once whenever I was first working in ministry, I said it, it was like an older, more traditional church. In fact, whenever I got 
the position, they, they contacted me before I showed up, and they said, what are your measurements? I thought, well, this is really odd, and whenever I showed up, and I'll be putting this on later, this robe was waiting for me whenever I, uh, whenever I arrived to start preaching at First Presbyterian Church in Lenore, North Carolina. And, oh, but then I said, I said to one person, how should, how should I dress? And they said, well, you know, dress for the job that you want, not the job that you have. So I showed up in my ski boots and goggles the next day, and nobody appreciated that. But, but it's, no, it signifies something. Have you ever had the experience where you were feeling awful? You were feeling lousy. You looked in the mirror. Maybe you didn't like what you saw. You were feeling kind of frumpy. You were feeling kind of down, and you decided, well, I'm, I'm going to put on something nice. I'm going to get a shower. I'm going to get cleaned up. I'm going to do my hair, maybe do my makeup. I didn't do my makeup very well this morning. I'm going to put on something. We've had that experience, right? It, it, it impacts our look, how we look at ourselves. It impacts our mood. It impacts our day. They've done studies of this. It is actually quite profound when people do make an effort to get ready for the day, to put on something that is symbolic or signifies a thing. If, uh, for again, example, if that, if that officer puts on the uniform, if that nurse maybe puts that stethoscope uh, around their, their neck, if you know, that lawyer grabs uh, his pitchfork in the morning, so just kidding, lawyer joke. So it, it, it signifies what you're about to do, what you're going to be about, how you're gonna carry yourself through that day. The, the Bible, we know, of course, speaks it speaks a great, a great deal to this matter. I got interested in some of these um, fashion kind of uh, themes maybe running throughout the Bible. And I, and I really like this. You, you know, you think I'm dressed up. I'm going to read this here. You think I'm dressed up. You think I'm looking good this morning. And, and I am, by the way. This is, this, is a nice, this is the nicest suit I've ever owned. So here's how they got dressed up in the old days to come in to worship God. You ready for this? This is fun. We're just having some fun this morning. Enjoy, enjoy yourselves here. This is Moses speaking to his brother Aaron. Make sacred garments for your brother Aaron to give him dignity and honor. Hmm. Tell all the skilled workers to whom I've given wisdom in such matters that they are to make garments for Aaron for his consecration so he may serve me as a priest. These are the garments they are to make, a breastpiece, an ephod, a robe, a woven tunic, a turban, and a sash. They are to make these sacred garments for your brother Aaron and his sons so they may serve me as priests, have them use, you gotta like this, gold and purple and blue and scarlet yarn and fine linen. But here's my favorite part. You read all the way down through this outfit that they're gonna come into worship God. And, and here's my favorite part, verse 42. And you shall make for them linen undergarments to cover their naked flesh. They shall reach from the hips to the thighs. Holy underpants there. I mean, you gotta love that idea of even putting on the holy underpants. I have this idea that we're gonna start a business and we're gonna call it Aaron's Secret. Is anybody with me here on this? Joy, I need Pastor Joy here, has Pastor Joy's creations. We're gonna start Aaron's Secret. It's gonna be holy undergarments. It's gonna take off. It's, you're, nobody is with me. Nobody's even like nodding their head on this, but no, no. I think it, thank you, Brittany. We're gonna work on this, Aaron's Secret. And because you gotta love though that idea that, I mean, honestly, from the first things we put on to the outer garments, and all that that signifies is that we are literally clothing ourselves for God, clothing ourselves with intention, clothing ourselves for 
of purpose. That's a beautiful symbolism. There's a, there's a beautiful demonstration there of clothing ourselves, covering ourselves, being guarded, being protected, being, you know, clothes protects us, it guards us, it keeps us safe, it keeps us secure, it keeps us warm on cold mornings like this. All of this signifying that we, how we are clothing ourselves with Jesus Christ. The, the theme continues throughout the Bible, of course, and we know we have admonitions uh, such as, uh, I'm thinking of like First Timothy chapter 2, it's, a, it's kind of a famous one where people are encouraged to dress um, modestly. And the interesting thing about that um, is, that it, it, is that we kind of think about that as modest in regards to like our sexuality, but actually what they were very concerned about at that time was it was modest um, in regards to demonstrations of, of wealth. And so the encouragement there was to say, um, don't like be trying to outdo one another with your hair and your jewelry and your fine, because people were really signified at that time between like the slaves that had to wear certain garments and the working class and then the aristocracy, you know, quite literally they would be dressed. And, and there's this new ethos, this new ethic coming in to saying, hey, all of us are made in the image of God. All of us are children of God. All of us, of course, stand at the same level at the foot of the cross. And you shouldn't be trying to outdo one another in, in these ways. So there's this invitation to modesty to say, hey, dress appropriately, dress, dress right. But that's, you're all to be dressed, washed clean in the garments of Christ. And so actually from there, the tradition began where robes like this, they actually were not to be demonstrations of wealth and showiness, but in cultures and in times where people didn't have a lot of nice clothing, the church would actually provide a robe for everybody in the choir to wear or a robe uh, for the pastor or preacher to wear so that it actually showed that we are all together. We are all unified. Isn't it funny how things can kind of get twisted and disordered and they lose their path and lose their direction? But there is this beautiful coming together. We're saying we should all actually be together clothed in Christ, wearing the garments that he provides. And this is the motif and this is the symbolism that comes into the life of the body of Christ. If you've been baptized or you've seen baptism here, there's the wonderful symbolism of going down into the water and coming out and, of course, being washed clean from our sins, uh, washed clean and standing in new life in Jesus Christ. But again, there's that idea then of, and, and, and in, the, in the old days, then they would kind of put these new garments, they'd put this new robe then on the people who just experienced baptism. You are now quite literally washed clean and wrapped up clothes, covered, by the love, by the grace, by the righteousness, the forgiveness, the mercy, the care of Jesus Christ. I found myself getting into fashion. I mean, I was, I was like, oh man, I mean, clothes are really cool. I, I was like, maybe I should get more into fashion. I'm still dressed by my mom and by my, my wife and my daughters. I mean, I'd never buy anything myself, but this stuff got me excited. And this is how it fits in, of course, to the Uncluttered series. We are going to talk a little bit about what we want to clothe ourselves in Jesus Christ in these new garments, but the witness of the scriptures is quite clear on this. Before we put on the new garments, we have to get uncluttered first. We've got to take off the old first. My mother-in-law visited not too long ago, and uh, being my mother-in-law, she's a wonderful person, but she was not going to pay for carrying, uh, sending extra baggage or luggage along with her flight to get here from Canada. And so she showed up, and I think she had at least a dozen layers of clothing, pants, shirts, jackets, three hats on. It was hilarious. Um, but we, we can't just put on the new garments. 
It would make no sense to be dirty, to be unclean, to have filthy rags, and then just to say, and let's just throw something new and nice on top of that. So, so here's what's gonna happen this morning. Here's what we're gonna do this morning. It's gonna be a little bit different. Um, this isn't like a teaching sermon with like a point and an application you take out, take away at the end. Uh, throughout this morning, we're gonna just talk now, it's gonna be kind of two parts. Here's the gap, and I'm gonna try not to drag it out. We don't have to belabor this. Um, and, and, and I'm asking you to be um, an astute and engaged congregation this morning. Whatever God speaks to you, wherever he meets you in this, whatever is you know pricking your conscience, feel free to run with that. <laughs> and you can ignore me for the rest of the service. We're gonna talk about some things that the Bible highlights and all of these, and, and there's a phrase that appears in the passage uh, that I just read and, 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 and others, uh, such as these. These are not exhaustive lists, but throughout the scriptures, we have these lists. It's actually in nearly every one of Paul's letters when he writes to Galatia, when he writes to Ephesus, when he writes to Philippi, when he writes to Colossae, like we read this morning, he always has, he has very often, quite regularly, in his admonitions, and his teaching to these people in these congregations, he's giving them a, a reminder. And he doesn't drag it out, again, too long. And, and he doesn't even make exhaust, exhaustive lists, but he will very often say, put to death and rise in new life, be transformed or be changed or take off and put on. But he's always giving us that invitation to say, okay, stop, examine your life, invite the Holy Spirit to you know, kind of invade your space. And think about, are there some things that you're engaging in, doing in, dwelling on, living with, that it's time for you to take it off? Because we, before we should put on the new things, some of us have to take off some, some other things. So maybe this morning, it's going to be a take it off kind of this morning, metaphorically, people, metaphorically. You might have a take it off kind of a morning. You might have a morning where you're like, yep, there are some things that have been on me, in me, around me that... It's time to strip away those old dirty rags and move on. I hope for a lot of us, though, we can get on with the, well, what are we going to clothe ourselves with? What are we going to be about? What are we going to look like moving forward? I'm going to read. It's not going to be on the screen, but here's what Paul says to the church in Colossae about things that you are going to uh, take off. This is, this is what he says. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things. And again, these are like such things, such things as anger, as rage, as malice, as slander, filthy language. You do not lie to one another. Be renewed in the knowledge of the image of your creator. There is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. But Christ is all and in all. So where are you at with some things that maybe need to be stripped away, need to be taken off from your life? He, he says some things that to the renewed, transformed conscience in Christ a vessel who has the Holy Spirit living in him or her, there should be things that should, in a sense, become kind of obvious. These things are immoral. These things are impure. These things are not fitting for the follower of Christ. They're not going to bring glory to God. They're not going to bring blessing to your neighbor. 
to objectify them or abuse them or take advantage of them. And they're not going to bring blessing to your life to conduct yourself or to behave in such a way. I don't feel the need to kind of become one of those preachers that can just, you know, rail on all of those things. I'm going to actually do something a little more spiritual here and trust that the Holy Spirit, because what I, what I say may make no difference at all. But if you are open to the Holy Spirit's work in you, listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying. It's time to take that old garment off. It's time to stop engaging in that behavior. It's time to stop visiting that site. It's time to stop conducting myself in that manner. It's time to stop spending my resources that way. It's time to stop speaking those words. It's time to stop telling those kind of jokes. It's time to stop looking that way at that person. It's, it's time just to follow the leading of the movement of the Holy Spirit to say, it's time to, as Paul puts it here, he doesn't just use the language of taking it off. He's like, put it to death. Which, which is violent language, admittedly, but it, it just highlights the severity of this. Because gangrenous things, things that are of death only lead to and grow more death. Although I've messed up the metaphor there of growing death. But gangrenous things infect and spread the rot and the death. And there's a great pastoral compassion then, of course, for Paul to say, I don't want those stinking, filthy, dirty, deadly things covering you, spreading on you, growing in you, creating that rot. I mean, it's, it's, I mean okay, it's gross, it's ugly, I know, but... If you have that sense that there are some of those deadly, vile things, we can be transformed, we can be renewed, we can be changed. There can be a supernatural experience of new light, cleaning it off, stripping it away, and building a new thing in you. So, yeah, sexual immorality, greed, which is idolatry, and, and then just that other list that he gives. I'm just going to say it again. Anger, yeah, I mean, have you been harboring anger? Malice, slander, filthy language, telling lies, such things, such things. They have no place in the body of Christ. Because again, simply put, we know, we know, right? We know, not going to glorify God, not going to bless my spouse, my kids, my neighbor, my church. And if I'm honest, it's, it's not blessing me. It's not making me feel like I'm crushing it in my life as a Christ follower, as a human being. We know those things that bring us down that we don't want. Pray to God by the power of the Holy Spirit to start stripping and cleaning those things away. Okay, but then once we're like stripped clean and naked, take it off, all right. Once that stuff is off, whoo, then we get to put on the new stuff. Then we're prepared, then we're ready. You know, we're all showered up, cleaned up, shaved, hair combed, makeup on, we're ready to get dressed. And he actually gives us, and again, these are not exhaustive lists, but I'm just gonna riff on this for a little bit. It's a little bit different this morning. I'm gonna riff on compassion and kindness Humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness, and over all these things, put on love. First thing he says is put on compassion. Put on compassion. I actually spoke about this not too long ago. This is the word that actually appears a lot in the ministry of Jesus and throughout the New Testament letters. Might be my all-time favorite Greek word, splaganizomai. Woo, that's a, that's a fun one there. But the idea of you're being moved in your guts 
to come alongside of others and whatever they are going through. Now, we translate that compassion, co-passion, but does anybody remember? Just bear, bear with me, be, you know, you know, be one of the, those congregations here for a second. What does passion actually mean? We think of passion in like the uh, Aaron secret, you know, passionate kind of way there, but anyways. But passion actually meant, we talk about, we have a play actually coming, the passion of the Christ, the suffering, the, 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 the being poured out, the pain, the agony, the, so the passion of the Christ. So when we are compassionate, what are we doing? We're actually, we're coming alongside of people in their suffering and in their pain. And I know that some of you right now, you are coming alongside of, of a father. You're coming alongside of a spouse. You're coming alongside of a child. Some of us are coming alongside of uh, uh, Heather Wilson, one of, you know, one of our beloved parishioners here. Oh, all right, fans of Heather here. I mean, she has been, she, her ankle broke. She's about to have you know, surgery. And, and it's such a beautiful thing then when the body of Christ comes alongside of people that are suffering. I, I read about a little study. I didn't even know it was there, but when I clicked, I heard about it at some point, so I did a quick search. They did this study at the University of uh, Colorado at Boulder, and they took people, and they were going to apply these mildly irritating electric shocks around their body, but they had, uh, which sounds awful, of course, but they had a couple of different test groups. So they had some people that came in, and they are like all alone in the room with these things, and then they were like measuring the brain waves even because that was a more accurate way to gauge how much pain or, or suffering they were experiencing or feeling both physically and mentally. And so you can, I mean, you could, you know, give me the money and put it to work for Jesus because I could have told you exactly how this is going to play out. This is like, oh, surprise, surprise. This is what they found out. But this is what they found out. If somebody was alone in the room, their suffering was tremendous. If they're in this cold, sterile room and people in another room. If somebody that they loved was in the room with them, their pain was significantly diminished. But if that loved person was in the room with them and holding their hand, in many cases, it was as if the pain was hardly even registered. And then they started to actually gauge the heart rate and the people uh, that were actually then holding hands, like this is very interesting. So then they started to like monitor both people. And whenever two people were holding hands and one person was having these shocks applied to them, they literally synced together. They became as one, sharing that pain and suffering. And it was dispersed amongst the two of them such that they barely even felt it in many cases. Isn't that obvious? Isn't that obvious, actually? Isn't that obvious that when you're going through pain and suffering, if somebody is going through it with you, you're like, We're gonna, we can do this. We can get through this. We can. Okay, I spent way too long talking on that one because we got there six more. Put on that kind of compassion, my people. Put on that kind of compassion. It talks about putting on kindness. Um, kindness. When was the last time somebody did something kind for you? I hope you can remember. I just had some kind uh, things. I'm gonna actually going to show two things right here, right, right now. So on, on Friday night, uh, we went out to dinner with some friends. And, uh, and then he gave me this book, Cycling Past 50. This is the most unkind thing anybody has ever done for me. I mean, what kind of a friend, this is a way of trying to be nice, that was not received as kindness, by the way. That was deeply, I, do, I might be 50, but I'm never going to act like a 50-year-old. But then, 
We went out to dinner with some friends last night at this New Mexican restaurant. I will tell you what it is if you ask me uh, alone because it was amazing. And then the owner came out and he greeted us and then we started to talk about biking. So I was like, I got a friend and he's a jerk. No, I, but we got to talking and, um, and we got to talk about biking because I always talk about biking. And then he brings out this box and he's like, I love biking. And he gave me a shirt. I, that's so kind. Okay, there's a million things you could say about that. Be those people. Be that guy. Be that gal. Acts of kindness. But here's, here's the thing I'll say about that. You know, we, we, everybody talks about, um, I think the acronym is ARC, acts of random kindness, right? Acts of random kindness, that's great. Pay for the coffee for the person in front of you at Starbucks or whatever it is, that's fine. But how about intentional acts of kindness? or whatever that means. I don't know. You know, what, what, if we, what, what if we just, every day we decided to clothe ourselves, I'm going to intentionally, intentionally, with forethought <laughs> and desire, be kind to everybody that comes, I come across today. I'm gonna be kind to my spouse. I'm gonna be kind to my kids. Be kind, be kind. Okay, clothe yourself with kindness. Let, let me zip through it now. In humility, in humility. Again, recently we had a, a, a message on Philippians chapter two. In humility, consider others more significant than yourself. Just decide as you get dressed for the day, I'm going to put others in front of me. I'm gonna just literally try to put everybody else in front of me. I'm gonna try and put my spouse's needs, my kids' needs, my employees' needs, my boss's needs, my neighbor. I'm gonna try and put their needs in front of mine. Will you do it perfectly? Of course not, but aim towards that kind of humility, gentleness. Um, we recently in the series, uh, Low Anthropology uh, was really built off of that. Um, Jesus declares his character that he is gentle and humble. He is gentle and lowly. Let's make being gentlemen, let's make being gentlewomen a thing again. I feel, and now I know I am going to sound like one of those preachers, but I feel that our, I feel that the disposition, the demeanor of our public rhetoric from politicians, I mean, all the way down to the people on the street, it's just becoming so crass and vulgar and mean and winner take all and beat people down. And I'm gonna build myself up by taking you down a couple notches and let's just exemplify gentleness again. I know that actually that is the strength of Jesus at work in us and through our body whenever we become gentle people. Because if you give it a little thought, when you were hurting, when you were in pain, when you were broken, when you were feeling beat up, somebody was gentle with you. Somebody held your hand. Somebody wiped a tear from your face. Somebody spoke gently to you. And it just, and it was a game changer. Clothe yourself with that kind of gentleness. Um, patience. Uh, two years ago, I had the experience with a funeral here um, and the family member described Brant as the most gentle man they ever knew. And that's how they knew his love. And that has stayed with me and stuck with me. And two years ago, I just made that my aim. But, and, and, and here's the deal, this, here's the admission on this, and I will wrap this up now really, really quick. Um, I said, it might take a while, it might take the rest of my life, but I hope then when it comes to my funeral, 
and people start milling around the room and talking and eating finger sandwiches and drinking coffee, I made it a goal. I said, I want them to start talking about examples of my patience with my family, patience with my wife, with my kids. I want to be patient like that. Of course, he talks about forgiveness. I mean, this is the characteristic, this is the quality that we stand that gives us our hope that we are forgiven by the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We are washed clean. We stand in those garments of righteousness and experience that forgiveness. So forgive as you've been forgiven. How many times does the Bible say that? I don't know, but it's a lot. Maybe get back to you with the answer. But again, it is one of these themes. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. I mean, anytime you think I'm gonna get my comeuppance, they deserve it. Of course they deserve it. Of course the world would say, get your comeuppance. Of course, but not Christ. Not Christ. Christ says, forgive as you've been forgiven. Is it fair? Of course not. Do they deserve it? No way. But that's what Christ did. And that's what we do. So you keep being forgiven people as you have been forgiven in Jesus Christ. And then, of course, he says, I'm going to end dramatically here. So, band, you can get ready to come on up. Here's, here's going to be my dramatic ending. Whoo, there we go. Because this is the literal language that he uses, if you read the passage. He says, I'm going to do it dramatically. He says, and over all these things, whew, First Presbyterian Church would be so happy. Over all these things, put on love. Because this is the high fashion of Jesus Christ. This is the garment that pulls it all together. This is the scarf that makes the ensemble. This is the shoe, I don't know, whatever fashion illustration you want to use. This is it. You put on love. This is exactly what Jesus tells us to do. Love one another as I have loved you. Actually called it a new command. And it was like, that's not new. I mean, we've been talking about love God and love people forever. And Jesus is like, no, 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 it's new because now you love like I loved you. And nobody loved like Jesus. But we try. We wake up and we put on love and we try to love like Jesus Christ because this is what will set us all apart. And so as the band is about to lead us here in a little bit of worship, I'm going to do one last thing here. I did end up doing a lot with this sermon. Um, you've heard this at just about every wedding you've ever been to, but you were so busy looking at the bride or the dog that carried the, the ring down the aisle or whatever. You were so caught up in everything else. You never even heard 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You think you've heard 1 Corinthians chapter 13, but you've never heard 1 Corinthians chapter 13. So here's just a beautiful description that we have of what this love that you put on over all things, this is what that love is to be like. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. Love doesn't have a swelled head. Love doesn't force itself on others. Love isn't me first. Love doesn't fly off the handle. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Love doesn't rejoice when others grovel. Love takes no pleasure in wrongs. Love puts up with everything. Love trusts God always. Love always looks for the best. 
love never looks back and love keeps going to the end. Let me pray. We're going to worship a little bit more. Heavenly Father, help the man or the woman, the child of yours right now to take off that garment that is no longer befitting of a follower of Christ. Help them to strip that sin, strip that guilt, strip that guilt away and let them put it in the past and help them to clothe themselves in your righteousness, Jesus Christ. And help all of us, of course, to put on these garments that you call us to, to be clothed in compassion and kindness, humility and gentleness, patience and forgiveness, and of course, your love. We pray this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Let's worship.